Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Have a great day. I'm Bernie and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, everyone. I want to thank each and every one that had to do with me being here tonight in the first place. Uh, you all know who you are and so on, and uh, this is an honor and a privilege to be asked here. And uh, I also want to thank those people over there that fed us so well. And uh, now, uh, I may go to sleep up here, but... Uh, if I do, you just try to be asleep back there. You can, we'll be eating. So, uh, and, uh, I, I never have much to say, and, and it's a no slow drug out, uh, story. Jack here's heard it so many times he could tell it himself. And, uh, you can just bear with me. We'll try to get out of here by around 1130, and then we can have that other meeting at one in the morning. Have a, a Sunday morning meeting. So, uh, no, I, I really, I, I'd heard a lot about the conference down here, and I talked to a lot of people about being here, and uh, I was looking forward to it. And, and listen, nobody misrepresented. It's great. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, I hope I can pay back a little of your uh, goodness to me and Ruth in uh, telling you. A uh, few things that happened to me, and, and I'm so proud to be in your organization. Uh, I brought me something to drink up here. I noticed the other speakers didn't have to have anything. I'm kind of like a windmill. You know, water and a windmill goes together, and this coffee and me kind of goes together. So uh, uh, I have to tell you first, I was born. That's a long story. Yeah. About everybody was, wasn't it? And uh, I was born to a small family, very small. Uh, I'm a country boy, uh, real country. Uh, no education. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't like to go to school. And uh, I, now what I'm going to tell you up here tonight is I've learned up to now. I was born in 19 and 18. I'm uh, 74 years old. Uh, I, uh, started off wrong as a kid, I guess, or right one. I've been here a long time by some purpose. I don't know. Just, and, uh, anyway, uh, this, uh, I had a dad and a mom and one brother. And my brother is seven and a half years older than I. I know you wonder how he's alive. This, this, Old looking as I am. Well, he don't look as old as I am. So, uh, my dad died when I was five years old. I know absolutely nothing about a father. I use that a lot. That was a good excuse to drink. When the people get on my case, I'd tell them, well, if you'd left a little old poor boy like I was without a daddy, you'd drink too. You know, we use every excuse under the sun, anything. We can drag in. So I used that a lot. It was handy. And uh, my mom had a time with we two boys. Uh, really did. She was a mom and a dad to us both. 
My brother doesn't have a drinking problem, never has had. He drinks some, rode motorcycles and done things that I didn't even do, but he, he never become an alcoholic. And uh, in other words, I was the sheep, you know, in the family. And uh, all the things that were wrong and I did backwards and so on, why I was the bird that got into it. And I learned everything that I learned about uh, drinking and staying sober. Uh, the hard way. It came hard. Uh, I went through the eighth grade in school. I didn't like school. No part of school. Didn't like to be under nobody's ruling. You know, didn't like to be told things. Didn't like to be told to get my lesson, take my books home, study, all that stuff. I wanted to study when I wanted to study. And I wanted to not fool with books. I just wanted to be smart without having any books. And I didn't fool with them. And I, my mom uh, frowned on that. She didn't like that. And I'd get grade cards. I never had any A's on them. There's all them little old numbers, you know. And and, and I'd work on them. I, I'd redo my grade card. And mother didn't like that. She could tell that my writing, the teacher's writing, her writing was all different. And so uh, I, I, I just couldn't do no good in changing those things. And I started getting in trouble in school, just a lot of trouble right off. I, I didn't get along with other kids. I, I didn't play no ball. I didn't do anything on just uh, things I wasn't supposed to do. And I started getting expelled from school and, and uh, a lot of things right early. And uh, so, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I just started out wrong. And uh, I... Uh, Finally, my brother went through uh, high school, and I could have. I had the same chance my brother had, exactly, no different. Uh, uh, things did get different later on, and I would ask Mom, I'd say, why don't you treat me like you do Spence? And she said, why don't you act like Spence? Well, uh, I never could gain nothing nowhere. I'd ask them crazy questions, and I'd get thrown right back every time. Well, uh, when I kept on until uh, Mom told us, said, uh, when you boys get divorced through school, out of school, finish school, quit school, or whatever, you're going to work. You're going to get a job someplace. Mom believed in that. We were poor. We come up poor. So poor, the poorest laughed at us. So I wore patched breeches to school to hide my nakedness. It wasn't for a fad. I mean, we were that poor. And I was proud of them, but I wasn't proud of them laughing at them. So uh, we'd have trouble over that, me and them little old boys. I'd get with them, and they'd whip me, you know. And uh, that's about all there was to that. So uh, uh, things I learned, I told you, it's the hard way. So uh, after a while, I kept finagling around till I got out of school. I worked like the devil to get out of it. I didn't want I said, I'll dig ditches, I'll do anything but go to school. I hate school. Well, when I got out of school, I had to find a job. And I started hunting, and at my age and everything, uh, nobody wanted to work me. So uh, I kept uh, monkeying about, and, and guess what? I found some boys that would let me run around with them. Is in our program, they're called good old boys, but uh, 
you know, just out there in the world, there's just other boys. And, and But they were older than me, and, and I liked them scrappers. I started taking off with them. Uh, they'd let me go with them on Saturday nights and so on, and they'd get out and they'd drink that beer and wine and uh, holler at the gals and all that stuff, and I thought them was the funniest birds I'd ever run into. And I just fell right in. I liked them, and, and uh, they didn't mind me being alone. They'd take me along with them, and uh, we'd go here, there, and yonder, and they'd drink beer, and I'd drink Coke, and... Uh, we just go right along, and I thought them was the finest fellas, but they'd get pretty well high and, you know, get loud and saying, talking in them unknown tongues, you know, like people will do when they get drunk. And I still liked them. I thought, well, uh, I like the way they carry on. I just really like them. Well, now, uh, as long as my mom lives, uh, she always told me that my dad drank himself to death. We had uh, problems with this alcohol before I even knowed anything about it. I uh, said my dad drank awful bad. And uh, so I heard that as long as Mother lived. And, and, you know, I heard it enough that I didn't want to fool with nothing with alcohol about it for quite a while. Well, after a while, running around with them guys and him drinking, having all that fun and everything... Well, after a while, uh, years kept going on, and I, I got to where I could get me a job. The first job in, uh, well, I'd just do anything in the world there was to do. I wasn't picky about my jobs. It didn't make no difference because I didn't have no choice. Uh, people didn't want to work me because I wasn't of age. I wasn't, they weren't supposed to be working me. But, you know, I got on up there towards 20, and the next thing you know, uh, I got a job. And I got a job in a chair factory where they built chairs, furniture, and they let me cut cloth. Cloth cutter, yeah. And uh, I'd cut that cloth, and I started off with that thing. It was just a little thing to start off with from ground floor. And they had a few ladies there, the seamstress that done the sewing, that, uh, and they had the upholsters that nailed that stuff on those chair frames. And, and uh, that thing started, and it just kept growing, and I kept working, and they kept making more chairs and changing the pattern. And uh, I got to where I could help the pattern man make those patterns. And after a while, I got far enough along, they bought me a cloth machine. You turn that thing on and brrr, go through that cloth with it, and you just cut great stacks of that stuff. And that thing kept growing. They started chipping them chairs out of there, and uh, we kept working, and they got me a helper to help lay that cloth and stuff. And all them people in there were bringing that coffee and cokes and stuff to work with them. And I thought one day, uh, by damn... What's wrong with me bringing me a little slow in and something? Nobody wouldn't know a thing in the world about it. And I could drink that stuff and cut cloth right on. And them old boys, uh, I can join them out there that I've been riding around with. And, and uh, they nobody know a thing in the world about it. And, and I'm going to try that stuff. And, you know, uh, I went in there and, and I got all fixed. Took me in some in my thermos bottle. And I started drinking that doggone stuff on the job. And guess what? Them ladies, is that old white lightning, you know? And some of them gals, I'd hear them all over the place. And next thing you know, uh, that darn cutting knife wasn't running right. You know, 
crooked. And so they got to noticing things. And so uh, next thing you know, why somebody went and told him that the cloth cutter was drinking the wrong kind of coffee out there. And uh, here he comes. This fellow was a teetotaler, one of these good old boys that went to church and so on. Me and him didn't get along fine. But he came out there, and he had that nose turned up, smelling too, you know. And the first thing he said, he said, Mac, are you a-drinking? And, of course, I said, no. And he, he said, what's that I smell? I said, I don't know. So uh, he said, well, said, yeah, said, you're drinking. And said, I'm going to let you go home. I said, okay. And he said, you go home a day or two and rest. I said, okay. So uh, I thought, well, why in the devil is he raising all that sand about that little bit of slow I was drinking? And, and he let them gals drink that Coke and that coffee and stuff. And, and he uh, and he raised the devil with me. And he sent me home, and I forgot to go home, you know, right quick. I just thought, well, I'll go down to the joint and sit down down there and have me a beer or two. That would be good. So I never liked beer. I never could understand why. I drank an awful lot of it, but when I started to drink in the darn stuff, I didn't like it. I thought, God, how can people drink that stuff as bitter as it is? Well, and I learned to drink it real quick because, listen, the effects of what I was hunting for, I found out, didn't take me no time to find out just what that effects of that darn stuff was. So, uh, this guy sends me home, and uh, two or three days I went back, and uh, me and him got, I, I'm not going to make a long story out of this, it was pretty long, but I'm going to cut it short. It was short with him. I, I go back, and, and uh, he wasn't satisfied with me at all, I could tell that. So uh, when I went back, he said, okay, you got your job. But he said, uh, listen, I'm not going to put up with this. See, I had him, this alcoholic thinking, I had him over the barrel. I mean, he didn't have nobody else to do that. He really didn't. And I knew that. I thought, hmm, he needed to get too rough with me. I'll leave him a hole in the bag. So uh, that's why he is holding the bag anyhow, but he didn't know it. So, uh, well, uh Next time I went up there and opened up that thermos bottle and got me some of that stuff, and, and he found it out, uh, he called the boys. The boys was them fellas that wears them big badges, you know, and these high-top caps and drives them big pretty cars with them emblems on the door. And here they came, and uh, they proceeded to take me down to the Crossbar Hotel. And uh, so... Uh, they locked me up and, of course, just kept me a day or so, and, and I got right out. See, I'm fresh and new, and they wasn't used to getting me, and I was young and all this stuff. And, and uh, along about this time, uh, my drinking was picking up all the time, getting better. You know how it works if you're one of us. Uh, every time it drunk, why, I, I was taking on more, and, and so uh, next thing you know, uh, I met a little old gal, and, uh, 
And about that time, I become 21 years old. All these darn things that are happening faster, you know, and I could keep up. Young people's life just goes off smooth anyhow, you know. Hey, when the thing bothering me, didn't have no drinking problem, didn't nothing, everything is fine. Him having me locked up didn't bother me, solder at all. Because we got messed up a little there. He got to where every time I, that he'd send me home and I'd go back, why, or he'd lock me up and I'd go back to work, whichever one it might be, why, uh, he promised me this was the last, he wasn't gonna do this anymore, and, uh, he said he'd let me go, and by darn he did. Uh, we kept on doing this, he got tangled up and I was messed up worse than him, and he is sober. Uh, I didn't know whether he was having me put in jail or getting me out. And he didn't know either, but the cloth cutting wasn't doing no good. But, uh, anyway, he lost me in the time of this thing. Well, uh, about this time I met this old gal and fell in love or got in, what is this other thing happens to us they tell us about? Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, one of the other them happened to me when I was 21 years old. Well, by darn, uh, uh, this old gal, I've been going to see her for the longest, and she knew I drank, but she's a pretty little old thing. And I got to aggravating her about getting married. I said, uh, you know, I didn't hardly know how to go about this, but I said, other people's married, why in hell can't he knew? So, uh, then, the next thing you know, she took me up, and, and be darned, we went off down into Georgia somewhere and got married. And, uh, so, uh, come on back, and, and uh, at that time, uh, I was living in the house with my mom, and I just kicked this old gal in, and uh, so uh, from that, why, uh, things started changing again. Mom said, uh, you know, uh, you're a great big old boy now, and you're big enough to work, and you're supposed to have a job. You haven't kept the job too well, but you need to get you one, a regular one, and just get you some furniture and stuff, and take this gal and get out. So, uh, I, uh, I, I had to make some arrangements, you know. So, uh, we moved out and, and, and things didn't get a darn bit better. Uh, uh, I started changing jobs from this and along, I got tangled up in this job mess too. In a little town no bigger than Athens, Tennessee, if you get fired or run off or quit or whatever, why, it just, it goes everywhere. It's like your computer system. Damn, it just runs everywhere. So, uh, I'd go over to another place and ask for a job and they'd say, what happened to you over at so-and-so? Why didn't you work over this? And then they knew all about me. Well, the only answer I could think of is I said, them people are crazy. Every place I've been, these people, I get to work for some of the craziest people you ever seen. And it was right the reverse. That liquor was making me kindly that way. And uh, so it was getting worse all the time and worse. And uh, next thing you know, and, and uh, losing jobs, getting jobs, uh, about this time that stuff got to making me sick when I'd get a overgorgeous. Any of you ever drink too much? They said some thing as drinking too much too fast, you know. And it got to making me sick, sick as a horse. Just, oh, God, I'd vomit and carry on and swear and be darned I ought to be taking this. This is the wrong kind. And, and, and most of that junk I was drinking was this old rotten, slow whiskey. I thought it was awful good. It was hot, you know. 
Whenever you take a drink of it, it's like swallowing an umbrella and it opening up. You know, just heat you up all over. So. Oh, Lord. Uh, I love you, too. <laughs> oh. Uh. <laughs> okay. Uh, along about that time, uh, this really happened to me, and I, I appreciate this, people, watching your life, and I can laugh with you. But when some of this junk was going on, I'll guarantee you it wasn't a bit funny to me. It it was hell. Uh, A lot of it was. But uh, I really enjoy I can laugh about it. Have just as much fun about it as you can. But you know how it is. If you're one of us, I know we can get in some of the damn mess it's ever been, I reckon. So uh, anyway, uh, let me see if I can find out where I was at. As whoever I was, that's where I'm at, ain't it? Ain't that right? Wherever I am, where I was, ain't it? I ain't been asleep in good either, people. I dreamt I was asleep and woke up and I was awake. Oh, well, hey, hey, well, I, I, when that stuff make me so dang sick, really it did. It it got to where that uh, every time I get an overgorge, I get it. Sick, and I learned that you could go to the hospital and just real early. I mean, just a normal hospital that anybody goes to. And back then, you could get in the hospital without a dime of money if you had a little insurance or if you had a dollar or two, whatever. Uh, times change. A lot of things have changed since then. But you could go to the hospital with a headache, heartache, or any kind of ache and lie to your doctor or whatever you wanted to do. And we drunks as good at that line. Uh, I got a lot of the diplomas for that when I was drunk, being the biggest liar. So uh, I'd go to the hospital and tell them I was sick, I was hurting here or there or what. And they'd put me in the hospital for just two or three days. Now, I learned that early. I'd beat that. Uh, shaking and carrying on or trying to get over a gun. I, I learned that. And I'd go check in the hospital. Now, understand, I just get to use a doctor one time. It's good that we just had one hospital in Athens and didn't have many doctors at that time. And I went through them all real quick. You know, I had the flu a lot. And uh, every disease known to man that I could tell them about that they couldn't just check uh, right quick, you know. So I'd go in that dang hospital. And, uh, you know, I was down there one time and, and uh, in that hospital, and, and uh, about three days I'd be ready to get out of there and get drunk again. So uh, I'm married to this old gal, and she couldn't keep up. But 
Somehow or another, along in this time, uh, babies started right quick at our place. And next thing you know, in so many months later, there's a little old gal born to our house. And I was just off talking, or drinking, or getting hospital, or losing job, and getting another job, and just through all this junk. And next thing you know, there's a little old boy born. And then, uh, and so long, there was another little old gal at our house. And, and little old bitty boogers, just running everywhere in the squalor, and they're standing up. And, 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 uh, the very devil and all this going on, and me gone, and in, and out, and around, and about. And, uh, well, these darn, uh, discussions started, too, at our house. Worse than they ever had been. She started telling me what was going to happen, you know. If I didn't put this land, I'd forget to go home. I was a forgetfulest fella, always have been. And I'd get all geared up, and I'd forget to go home for two or three days, and all that junk messed up. And uh, down at this hospital, I was down there one time trying to get over a drunk, and, and uh, it, that was back when they set this rub alcohol out in your room. Some of you people are old enough to know about that, or you know when they did do that. And then all at once they got to where that uh, rub alcohol was dangerous. They wanted to issue it when they wanted to. But at one time they'd set that rub in your room or leave it out there or just, is it around anymore? You can get a hold of rub alcohol. And I hurt a lot in there. Legs hurt and back hurt and neck hurt and all kinds of hurt. And I'd ring that little old bell back at that time. They didn't have that modern system of this push button. They had that little old ding-ding bell, you know, that you could ring. And I'd ding-ding that bell when I needed some help. And I got that old gal to bring some of that rub alcohol out there and rub my back and neck and rub me up good. And it felt better all over and anywhere else. So uh she'd do that all along. And one day there, I was looking at that, and I thought, that looks just like that splow outside. And I picked that bottle up. You know, it's different sizes. And I shook that thing and looked at it, and I thought, if that's a good to rub on, looks like it'd be better if you take it. And I don't feel good. And... Uh, so I got me a big glass of cold water, and I thought, well, uh, this is the time. You know, sometimes them little gals be out there quite a while, sometimes they just dipping in and out so handy. And I tried to catch a time when she'd be gone for a while, and I poured me out some of that rub and me some ice water, and I turned that stuff up and shut both eyes and just drunk to beat the devil. And uh, next thing you know, I drunk that rub way on down. And then another thing, in a little bit, I didn't know nothing. And uh, so time went by there, and I don't know what all went on. But after a while, she come a-tipping back in there, and she was angry. And uh, so I'd been on a trip, and we'd been through a whole mess of stuff. Uh... You know, I reckon it knocked me out or something. They said that I come to way down the hall down there without any clothes on. So they wanted to fasten me up to the bed and all that stuff, and that's unhandy. Unhandiest mess I ever got into. You just, you can't go nowhere with a bed on your back, you know. And, and I just didn't like it. So... 
Be quiet now. Let me tell you about this. <laughs> Well, next thing you know, uh, I was dismissed, and everything was all right. So I went on, and and wasn't long, I, I got to where I got in jail quite a bit. Now, getting in jail is no requirement for membership of Alcoholics Anonymous. You can get in without being a jailbird. They'll just take anybody in here. But uh, I put up a lot of time in jail, and it it helped in lots of ways, and lots of ways, you know, till we get ready to do something about this thing, they just ain't nothing that'll do much good. But uh, I got pretty much in the habit of getting in jail. In Athens, Tennessee, I don't know. Now, I didn't learn this till I got you people, and God, I wore them jails out. You know, uh, someone in AA, the smartest people in the world right in here, you know. And after I got to AA, they told me, they said, if you drink a lot, you become gettable with that law. Well, I never thought about that. I know guys getting in jail the devil of a lot, but I didn't know they paid any more attention to me than anybody else. I guess that's right. Every time they see me out or on the street or anywhere, I better be drunk because I was going to jail. I would the jail's out. And so I learned, since I was going to get in jail, why not be drunk? Get in there for something. So that's one way. That helped me to drink, too. You know, I, I'd tell people, I'd say, hell, they're going to put me in jail anyhow. I'd just well be drunk. So that's a good excuse. So I started that getting in jail. And, you know, uh, here's these three children. And next thing you know, them discussions got terrible bad. And the next thing you know, this wife kept promising me, she said, I'm going home. I'm leaving you. And you can just flat fix to pay for these children as long as these are children. And said, uh, you can fix for that. Said, uh, you're not at home. You're neglecting the home. You forgot you got a home. Forgot you got babies. And she was right. But uh, anyway, a lot of times them old discussions would start like that, and sometimes I'd have to go get more whiskey to win them at all. But uh, anyhow, this one time I come home, and guess what? I had a note on the door. We lived in a trailer at that time, a little trailer. And guess it wasn't, dear John, I brought you saddle home either. It was... uh uh, I'm gone, I'm gone back home to daddy's, and you're not going to see these children no more, and I'll see that you pay alimony on these kids. I could read that better than anything. So I thought, well, geez, she's fooled me, but she'll be back in a few days. They, uh, Mom and Dad's not going to keep them kids like that. Well, the next thing you know, here they come with that bunch of papers. You know how they do that thing, this law situation. They read the papers a while and got me all rigged up. And I paid alimony on those kids and paid her alimony until the kids were of age. Now, that sure fouled up my drinking. I tell you, it's hard to work and stay drunk all the time and support a family and us particularly. And when you're made to do it, that's one of the worst things in the world. We don't like to be made to do nothing. And you know, I, I even called the shirt and asked him what he'd do about this situation if I was to quit paying now on that thing. 
I said, a lot of people don't pay that thing. He said, you're not a lot of people, though. You're just one, and you're going to pay that thing. said, you just think you've been in jail, old boy. said, we'll put you down here and throw the key away. A few times I thought they'd already throwed it away when I was in the... But anyway, I paid alimony, and I did. That, that brightened me to death. I thought more of the bottle than I did my own children and so on. Well, I, my drinking kept getting worse and worse. I kept getting in trouble. Uh, I'd learned a lot. I was bad to honky-tonk. Now, she's gone, and now it'll turn me loose. I won't have to go home at all. Or if I do, I'll take me one of them little dirty legged gals home with me. And did, you know, a lot of times. So uh, I was just loose to go and flop and come and go and got ready. And I thought, well, this is going to be paradise. I've been hearing all this junk. And every once in a while, I'd go to my mom's, and, and she'd give me a good raking about what I was doing and how I was treating my wife and my children. This was over. Didn't have to listen to that. Everything just smoothed out. Got a lot better. And my drinking got worse. I started this honky-tonking from honky-tonk to here, there, and yonder, and anywhere, Lord, fussing, fighting, cussing, playing on, taking these drunks home with me. See, she's gone out of the trailer. We just set up housekeeping there at the house. Sometimes there'd be two or three loads of them drunks come in. And listen, that bothered these other people who wasn't drinking around there. I don't know why it would. You know, with them windows up in the summertime and the radio on, you could hear it for nine blocks. And us all drunk and cussing, the falling, the fighting, the carrying on. Them old nosy people would call the law. And guess what they'd do? Sometimes it'd take two or three loads of us to jail at one time. And just fill that thing up. And uh, I don't know why that bothered people like it did. But uh, they got bad disturbed about that. And, and I'd see these same guys that I saw in these joints down there in jail. So uh, I was just getting in jail every time I turned around. And uh, I told you about getting in the hospital. I got to where they wouldn't let me in the hospital. I'd been through all that. All those doctors, all of them down there done knew that drunk, and they knew what the trouble was. Uh-uh, you can't get in. Ain't nothing wrong. They said go somewhere else. They, they didn't want to fool with me. So uh, they started pushing me away down there. Jobs got to where when I lost a job, I'm telling you, I couldn't get one at all. They say, you a fine old boy, but you drink too much. We can't use you. Mm-mm. We don't want you here. So that's all I heard every way I went. So uh about this time, we were in jail down there one time, and I was walking the floor and ringing my hand. I didn't mind getting in there a bit in the world if I was doing But I was the most dissatisfied guy you ever seen after I stayed there a little bit. I don't know why. I just wasn't happy with it. A lot of them fellas were. But uh, I wasn't, not for a minute. I, I just walked the floor and carry off. I was drunk. I didn't care. I just lay down in them, around them, with them or anywhere, and everything was all right. But just as sure as I started sobering up, I wound out that door. And them old jails has got the darndest odor in the world. Any of you ever been in one of them? I mean, but, uh, they're uncomfortable. And their beds are hard, my God. Their mattresses got them round holes on that steel, you know, where you lay back there. And they had a special bunk for me I got every time. It was that iron rail back there to sleep on. And I'd gotten part of it. And the people that used to come and bond me out had quit coming. I'd get on that phone and call and they'd say, uh-uh, you haven't paid me for the last time I got you out. 
God, these are meanest people I ever saw. After they get you out for a full time and they don't get their money, they kind of get out with you somewhere or another, you know. And so, uh, next thing you know, I got to talking to them guys down there in jail. Some of them that I'd met out there, Tim Jones was in there. And everybody out there, some of the smartest people you'll ever meet. Some of them don't know. You ask them a question, they'll tell you something. They may not know no more than you do, but they'll tell you something. That's one thing. And uh, I was in there walking that floor, and I said, God, one big old fellow back there, I don't know what they had him for, nothing else. It didn't make no difference. He's in jail, and I was in jail. And I said, uh, I'm getting tired of this. He said, why don't you sit down? Be comfortable, the rest of it. I said, hell, I will now if I can get out. He said, uh, what have I got you for? I said, being drunk. That's all they ever get me for. I said, and if I ain't drunk, they get me for. And I said, I'm just in here and I'm tired of it. I want out of here. He said, did you ever think about one of those cops, uh, they dread the whipping as bad as you do? And I said, what? He said, yeah. I said, they dread the whipping as bad as... I said, what are you trying to tell me? I'm wanting out of jail. He said, I'm telling you, you won't get in here if you whip them birds. I said, I said, I may be in jail and uncomfortable as hell, but I said, I know better than that. He said, listen, I got a hold of something in a two or three weeks that was as bad as that rub down at the hospital. It run me as crazy as a bat. You know, sometimes I get that loving whiskey. I just love everybody. You hit me in the face with a brush, and it didn't bother me a bit. I'd just smile and go on. There's other times I'd fly off and just fight a circle saw. I never did whoop nobody, but I'd fight. So uh, I got a hold of some of that fighting kind, I reckon. And, uh, you know, I was out there on the street, and here they come, the boys, and for some reason, this you know how things like this have come to us. You've been drunk or partly drunk or nearly drunk or half drunk or drunk and drunk. And uh, this thing just come to me. I don't feel like I ought to go to jail. I believe I'll just do what that old boy told me down there. He's got a pretty good idea. And I, I feel pretty good. And uh, I'll show them birds a thing or two. This thing of me just getting in that car stopped as of now. They don't know it, but they're going to find it out. So uh they drove up there and stopped, and there were two of them. Listen, I'll never forget this. There's a lot of things I forgot, but this has stayed with me. <laughs> they drove up and stopped, and one of them said uh Turn around, roll that glass down. Of course, they drive them old cars with a cage in the back, you know, put you in there like a hog. And, uh, one of them said to the other and said, uh, tell him to get in. See, I had been a getting in the car. I thought if you'd just be nice and open that door when they stop and get in, they'd like you better, you know. And I'd been doing that. And by darn, when they stopped, I just decided, uh-uh, I'm not a going. That's all. I'm going to do what he said. So uh, he said, get in, Mac. I said, hmm, going. And he said, what did he say? And he said, he said he wasn't going. Well, that and under the wheel said, get out and load him in. Said, he ain't no trouble. I said, I'll show you whether I'm trouble or not. And uh, never had fit one of them. I got all set, got my fist rolled up good and tight, and I thought, well, now, I'll just leave him there with that pistol and no head. You know, just, and, just knock that head off. And... Well, that other idiot just sat in the car, and he got out, and about the time I got ready to behead him, why, he just walked out and opened that back door, 
and got me to the back of the neck and the seat of the britches and just sold me in that darn car. If that other door had been open, I'd never stopped. I just went, well, from that, it like broke my neck. My head hit the first side of that thing. I fell down the bottom of that thing, and he just slammed the door, got in, here we went. We didn't have but about three or four blocks to go. And uh, little old jail there in Athens, they put the city and the county all in the same jail. And it was small. They've got a big, nice boogie now. But I can't get in it now. I've I quit, you know. I, I don't get in there anymore. I ain't been in quite a while. But uh, anyway, when we got down to the jail, well, see, I had knocked his head off nothing. He was doing all right. And uh, he marched me in there, and I lost one of them. He went summers there, and the other one led me up here. If you've never been in jail, let me explain this to you. They've got a, this man sits there with this roll of keys on his hip, and quick as they bring a sock like me in, why, he'll take you through this door and back yard and slam that big door and another door and on back through there. And, and But they take your keys and your money and your whatever right up here. So that guy said, to, all right, Max, said, to, put your stuff up here. My stuff was a broke-bladed knife and a pack of, part of a pack of a camel cigarette, and I crammed them through that hole to him. And I just stepped back, and this bird kind of stayed close to my side here, that liked me so well. And uh, when I stepped back, I, they was coming in this front door with another drunk, that holy. And I forgot to remember. I slapped that man right in the face. Just, and when I did, his cap just went off and in the corner. Listen, the next thing I knew, I didn't know anything. Backyard my private bed again, and uh, they like beat me to death. Now that's all there was to it. Listen, I don't hit police no more. One, uh, uh, broke me from sucking eggs. One of them come in here right now. I'd let some of them finish this. Uh, if they say let's go, I'm ready to go. So uh, I, I never hit another one. Uh, I wouldn't say I didn't get in jail some more, but listen, I didn't beat on them fellas. That fella down there told me that was crazy, and I was crazier for doing it. So uh, I'd advise the fella just to not fool with them fella, just go along like I'd been. So uh, from then on, I was a pretty good boy. They they stopped me from that foolishness. Well, I can stand up here and tell you this joke just on and on and on, and this actually happened to me, Liz. Uh, this old gal left me, uh, along in the time of this. I, uh, started going with Ruth. This old gal's over here with me now. And, uh, she, she lived up there above town, and, uh, I'd go see her, and, and, uh, she, I was thinking pretty much of Ruth. And, uh, a lot of times I'd go see her, and, and, uh, cars was hard for me to keep. Now, uh, I drove quite a bit. I, I'm one of the most fortunate guys in the world, much as I drove drunk. You know, you hear a lot of these drunks talk about hitting this and hitting that and the other and turning over cars and having bad wrecks and nearly getting killed, having legs took off and eyes knocked out and I don't know what all. I'd just hit them fence posts and trees and things, and I was lucky. Never got hurt bad. Never tore up a car bad. I never had a lot of wrecks, but I drove an awful lot. And I'd go see Ruth. I kept some kind of an old car, tried to all the time. You know, that's fine. You're supposed to have a car, nothing else. 
And uh, I tried to keep an old car and uh, tried to stay drunk all I could and keep a job all I could. And uh, I'd go see Ruth. And every once in a while I'd go see her. And uh, she never got in the car with me at no time whenever I was drinking. Uh-uh. She wouldn't ride to me if I was drinking a bit. But she knew I drank. And uh, at that time, she'd have a beer, just uh, what they call a social beer. I don't know what that is, but she called it that. And we'd have a social beer, and uh, she'd let me come see her. And sometimes I'd be in such a shape that she wouldn't let me get out of the car. Sometimes I'd be in such a shape she couldn't keep me in the car. If I opened the door, I'd just fall out, you know. And I could drive when I couldn't set up. I reckon her I was a driver. And anyway, I kept going to see that old gal, and, and uh, uh, things kept happening. And, and uh, after a while, uh, she talked to me about that drinking like everybody else was. But uh, she didn't get down on me uh, to tell me that I could quit coming there if I wasn't going to quit drinking or anything like that. She let me come see her, but uh, she was down on it pretty rough. And after a while... I conned her in to marrying me. After the meeting, any of you is welcome to talk to Ruth that wants to. But I can tell you what your answer will be before you ask her. She'll tell you it's the worst mistake she ever made in her life. <laughs> yeah, I took Ruth home with me. And uh, we got married and uh, I darn, here I am paying alimony. Got another wife. Here she is, divorced from her husband. And uh, she's got four children, and I've got three, but they're with Mama. They're not with me. So uh, here we go on. And uh, now you want me to say uh, Ruth stopped me from drinking. Uh-uh. She uh, helped all she could. This, this Mama, I had one of the finest old moms in the world. My mother would have given her right arm, right up to her shoulder, to have seen me got sober and stayed sober. That's what Mama liked about her, me stopping drinking if I could. She did everything she needed to do. She did all these things that are the wrong things that we do for an alcoholic, like giving me money, bonding me out, helping me lie. These mamas would go to any length. Listen, you little Alanon gal, I heard every word you said this morning about these children and so on. We'll go to all lengths to try to help them and go out to do whatever we can. And that's that, what that mom done for me. She done a lot of the wrong things. And I knew they were wrong, but mom didn't. She thought she was helping me. Uh, I got to where uh, this brother of mine I told you about, he had absolutely no use for me whatsoever. He didn't want me about him. To the people, particularly outsiders, had nothing to do with me. Uh, they just nothing at all. They just got to where they didn't want to fool with me. I just pray. That's all with them. Well, Ruth and I, if we were married, uh, we had several of these conferences, just me and her. You know, these all night uh, discussions and so on. And she got to tell me about what she had read about alcohol and alcoholism and all this stuff. And she said. Uh, uh, what about you uh, uh, trying to do something about this thing, trying to get off this stuff for a while? I said, you're off of it for a little while, but you're back and you're worse then than ever. And she said, would you go to uh, Hot Springs, Arkansas, and, and uh, see what they could do for you out there? I said, what would I be doing in Arkansas? She said, 
uh, you go out there and take those hot baths so they might boil some of that poison we junk out of you. I said, uh-uh, they ever start boiling on me, they won't never stop. I said, I ain't going. Mm-mm. So she said, well, uh, what about you going up to Eastern State at Knoxville? You know, at Eastern State at Knoxville, Tennessee, used to be the place where they sent people with their marbles to crack them together. And I thought, uh-uh, that won't work. Put me in the crazy house? I asked the wrong question. I said, do you think I'm crazy? She said, I know damn well you are when you're drunk. So uh, that answered that too quick. And I said, huh, I ain't going in there. They couldn't fix me. You can't fix these drunks till they get ready to be fixed. Old Ruth did everything she needed to do. Uh, in the time of this, uh, my drinking kept getting worse. Uh, she tried everything. Ruth worked in the hoser mill at that time. Worked every day and, and, uh, I conned her out of everything I could and I stayed drunk all I could and I worked anywhere I could under the circumstances, but it kept getting worse and worse and worse. You know, when she'd come home of evening, I'd be wall-eyed drunk by the house and she'd say, I want to know why that every time I come home in the afternoon, you are drunk, wall-eyed, down, passed out, or crazy. And I said, well, these old boys just comes along here this whiskey and they've got it and it's to drink and they give it to me and I help them drink it. She said, nah, every day these fellas comes along now. I said, sure they do. I said, uh, I've got friends. Don't you know nothing? She said, yeah, but there's a long time. And I didn't like that. So uh, she kept trying this and trying that. And after a bit, she said, uh, uh, what about... Uh, us moving down in the country, down to the farm, your mother's farm. Said, wouldn't she let us live down there? I said, I don't know. I said, mother rents the farm and she needs money for it. And I doubt that. But I said, we'll talk to her. So Ruth and I talked to mom and I told you my mom would give us. She said, sure, you can move down there. And I said, pay the rent or not pay the rent. And Ruth said, well, if he's down there, maybe he won't stay drunk all the time. Maybe they're out there that they can't find him. said, he claims these people bring that whiskey to him and all that. Well, we moved to the farm. That's another thing she'll talk to you about. That was another thing. Don't drink and farm. You know, it's no drink and drive. So uh, we moved to the farm. Went down there, and, and Ruth was working, and Ruth, uh, I don't know what she had and what she didn't. She had an old pocketbook, and I'd get in it every time I could. And you know what I'm talking about. We drunk, so get in them pocketbooks. And, and I'd get her money. I'd go uh, take the checkbook and buy things that Ruth wouldn't buy. And uh, anyway, uh, it just kept getting worse. And, and down there on the farm, she had bought a tractor or signed a note for one, and the farming too. Me and farming now. And my bootlegger lived about halfway between the farm and uh, Athens. And uh, we bought an old Dodge pickup truck, and I-, I conned her into that. I said, if a farmer ought to have a pickup truck. And she said, I go back and forth town every day in the, in the car, and what do we need from town that I can? I said, oh, we need feed, seed, fertilized lime, and I might want to haul a calf or something in that truck. You can't haul a calf in the car, and she you know, we can con you out of anything. So uh, she bought this old dog pickup truck, and she was working, and uh, guess what? We moved in this big old two-story house, tin roof, uh, porch all the way around that bucket, and there was a hand-dug well around there on the back of it. 
where it run out high back there and, and it had a windlass in that well. You draw that water out of there, good cold water, way deep down in there, almost like a refrigerator. That's good to chase your whiskey with. That's good cold water. You don't have to have no ice or nothing. It's good and cold. So I, when she gets to working good and I get settled down good and I'd sowed some hay and we uh, was a farmer and we bought a couple of pigs and we was going to raise meat to eat and we was going to buy some calves and put on the farm and raise some hay. Do big things. I mean, and me drunk all the time. So uh, next thing you know, I said, uh, Ruth, we, uh, I went up to my bootlegger first and I said, uh, his name's Clemmer. I said, Clemmer, do I owe you anything to con him again? He said, no, why? I said, you'd heard about us moving down to Mom's farm, hadn't you? He said, no, hadn't heard the thing. I said, we're going to be down there, and, and I'm going to farm down there. And he got tickled. He said, you farm? I said, what's the matter with me a farmer? That made me about half mad. Well, there wasn't nothing wrong with a drunk farmer, I didn't think. So uh, he did. He said, okay. I said, I've got you paid up. He said, yeah. I said, now this that old white mean stinking whiskey he sold. Good bootlegger, though. I'd pawned everything I'd get a hold of to him, my shoes and everything else, you know, how we were doing. He liked me. I, I'd go at midnight, two o'clock in the morning. One time he told me, he said, Mac, you are the damnedest drunk I ever saw. He said, you wake people up. He said, don't you ever sleep? I said, yeah, occasionally. Yeah, I need to have a pint, though. And, uh, uh, just a little old things like that. Anyway, I conned that man in to let me have about three gallon of white whiskey. And uh, I said, listen, if we raise anything over on the farm, you get some of it. I said, we're going to plant anything that will grow in the ground. He said, okay, but you won't raise nothing. I said, I might fool you. So I took that whiskey and went on back home, and I hid that stuff. I started finding bottles around. It didn't make any difference. It was a medicine bottle. It didn't matter what it had in it, nothing else. I put a little whiskey in it and crammed the cob in it and hid it here, there, and yonder. I had whiskey under the floor, up the garage, over the barn. There's this whiskey scattered everywhere. That old mean white whiskey. You just kick the rock over and there's whiskey. And uh, Ruth come home of a night, same thing. When she get gone, I caught my legs up back there on that uh, thing around that well. And about drunk, you know, and I'd start whistling, singing to them birds, and turn that radio on where you'd hear it for a mile, and the chickens out there pecking around, and the calves are bawling over yonder, and the hogs grunting, and water going down the branch down there, and just having fun down there, me drunk and $400. She'd come home in the evening, same old thing. She said, well, them boys I know ain't found you down here now, and you're in the same shape you was in town. Now, she said, this ain't done a thing in the world for you. And guess what? She started to ag hunt. This mess of hunting that whiskey. Every time she'd find a bottle or look like something with bottle is under, and she started breaking that stuff. Listen, there ain't nothing makes you any madder than somebody breaking your whiskey up and you are needing it. Listen, I, I got hot about that. And I said, listen, I ain't bid me you pouring that out. So on, I'll go get some more. She said, I know it, but you have to go get it. I'll pour it all out. Next thing you know, I said, uh, I'm going to tell you how I got here in a few minutes and stop this old foolishness. Uh, in a uh, few days, I said, uh, let me borrow your checkbook. I said, it's stock barn day, and I need to go to stock barn and buy some cash. She said, uh, we can't take care of what we got. I said, uh, let me have the checkbook. We've raised this hay and so on. 
and I want to buy some calves to eat this hay that's in the barn. And she said, uh, how many are you going? I said, I don't know until I get there. You never know. So I gets in this big truck, had a cattle trailer frame on it, and it started drizzling rain, and it was colder than the devil about this time of year. And I goes to the stock barn. And I couldn't tell you how I got them caves other than bid on them like other people because I was drunk. I don't know what happened. But I ended up with about five of these Herford caves. And I I don't know what happened, but they was in the truck. And, and me and them calves stayed drunk for about a week. And we forgot to go home again. And we stayed in motels, hotels, and slept on the street and everywhere else. I, and them calves is a-ballin' and I forgot to feed them. See, calves got to have water and hay and stuff. And I forgot about it and I don't know whether they drunk with me or not, but I was drunk for $400. And I got home in about a week and I thought, dear mama will come with them hands spread out and she'll say, oh boy, you've done a good job. Them's the prettiest calves I ever seen. And see, I'd hold them in that water and mud. I looked like a calf, smelt like one and everything else. And uh, when I got home, she wasn't a bit happy. She'd come out, and uh, she'd come out of the house, and, and I drove down in the barn lot, and I dropped the back gate down. I said, I'm a farmer. You wouldn't think I was, but I, I was big time. And I dropped that gate down on that truck and got up in there, and uh, four of them calves jumped out. And uh, I thought she'd start bragging on them, and nothing was just laying up there. And I got up in the truck and kicked that calf time or two, dead calf. But I kicked him, and he couldn't get out. This is the straw that broke the camel's back. Ruth backed up and put them hands on her hips, and she said, You are the low life, this piece of human flesh God's ever made. Mm -hmm. And she said, uh, Listen, where in the hell have you been? I said, I don't know. She said, Haul these cattle till you kill one of them. She said, people have tried to hit you all over this country, and, and you're beyond. So there's nobody can do a thing on earth for you, not one thing. You know how well I felt. You've been in this shape. You never had a woman talk to you any worse. But listen, I felt just as low as a human being could feel. And she said, listen, I'm moving out of this hell down here. I said, I am too. She said, you're not moving with me. I said, I'm not staying down here. Listen, in that big old two-story house, there'd been all kinds of animals in there after me. I'd been through these DTs. I'd had these hallucinations. They'd been bugs come out of the wall. I couldn't turn the light out of the night. It was all this mess you ever seen in your life. And Ruth left me right in the middle of every bit of this darn mess. And she took what scrap iron I hadn't done tore up and done something with it. I don't know what. And she went to that darn courthouse again. And she got papers up there long as your leg. And uh, so uh, divorce papers and directly one of them little old boys that wears them badges come reading papers to me again and said, your wife's getting a divorce. I said, yes, yeah, she told me that. And uh, they said, that's how it is. So in making this circle, she went by where we now live. And she bought that little old house up there where we live. And listen, she got an injunction against me as long as your leg. And I couldn't go back up there. I did one time, but I got in jail quicker than you can light a cigarette. Uh, when I drove up there, the law was there in two minutes, and I was in jail about that quick.
So I said, hell with her. She means business. She gonna name have me around. So I let her go. So uh, from this, uh, boy, uh, the thing was turned on. But let me tell you back here, just before this episode, my mom died. And I was drunk. And mother died. I have to live with that today, people. Worst hurt I've ever had. Really was. The one that would have given anything on earth to send me sober. Well, I left here, and, and at that time, I, she didn't know I'd ever be any different. But I believe tonight that my mom knows where I'm at and what I'm doing. I really do. I had a good old mom. But that happened. I was drunk. I went to my mom's funeral. Wasn't in good shape at all. No shape at all. But they tell us in this to not look back. I try not to. And not get too far in front. Just live one day at a time. And that's what I'm trying to do. Well, from here on out, it was rough sledding. Mom was gone. Luke was gone. My brother had nothing to do with me. None of the kids on either side wanted anything to do with me. Loose kids, my kids, nobody didn't want anything to do with me. And me out here, just gone, that's all. I started sleeping in the cemetery. What time I wasn't in jail. Just sleeping wherever I could. And I feel for them boys that's out there now. I know what they're going through with. And I got that low, and I ended up driving a little old Volkswagen limb that this end over here from Germany that looks right straight up, you know, them little bugs. And it belonged to the bank. And the bank didn't want it. It had been turned over end over end. The glass all knocked out of it. The light here and yonder would shine. Uh, brakes wasn't worth a darn. Uh, it was air conditioned winter and summer. There wasn't no glass in it. And, uh, we'd been turned the end over. The only time we got in the road when we crossed it from one side to the other. And I ended up down in Cleveland, Tennessee at my daughter's house by my first wife. And I knocked on her door. Now I had to have some help with this, people. I don't remember too much about it, but my daughter was grown and married, of course, and had a little girl. I, I had a grandbaby, her, my own child. And uh, uh, she said I knocked on her door sometime around 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't know who I'd been, who I'd seen, or nothing else. But she asked me in. And she let me in the house, and she said, Daddy, you can sleep on the couch. And I said, okay, that's better than I'm used to. And she said, Daddy, you're about dead, aren't you? And I said, I am. And I said, I'd welcome death more than anything in this world. And she said, you're about there. I said, you wouldn't weigh 90 pounds soaking wet. I said, you're right. And I said, I'm just living to drink and drinking to live. She said, that's right, Daddy. She said, uh, listen, there's a number down here you can call and uh, for help. And said, I want you to call that number in the morning. And uh, said that there's a piece in the paper that says, if you want to drink, that's your business. And if you want to stop drinking, that's our business. And gave me that number. And uh, which said that? Next morning, 
She said in and said, Daddy, call that number, and let's see if we can get some help for you. And I said, I don't call numbers. My own daughter said, no, you don't. You go see people that don't want to see you. That's my own daughter, flashing blood. And uh, I said, you can call them. You may need them. My daughter didn't need them. She didn't drink. She don't drink now. Not to excess. She might drink a beer or something, but I never saw the kid drunk in life. So anyway, she called this number and she got answering service in Cleveland, Tennessee. And she talked to uh, a lady out there, Al-Anon, that was working there at the hospital. And her husband was a alcoholic. Mary Howell was the lady. Mary is dead now. Her husband, as far as I know, still lives. But Mary, the one that Butch talked to, is dead. And she talked to her, and, and I'd hear her say, yeah, it's my daddy. Said, he's been drunk for years. Said, hadn't drawn a sober breath. Said, I don't know whether I can keep him here or not. So and she hung up the phone. She said, Daddy, that was the sweetest talking woman I ever heard. Well, I've told you my experience with these women. See, I couldn't live with the first thing here this life and gone. So uh, I thought she was calling for me a wife, a woman or something, and I didn't know what. And so I said, I don't need that. And she said, well, she said, there's somebody coming out here to see you. <laughs> and you know us old innocent drunk. I said, about what? She said, about your drinking. Uh, well, in a minute, well, I said, now let me tell you, Butch. I said, I'm not in for no foolishness at all. Of course, I wouldn't. Foolishness is all I was out for. And I said, uh, there ain't nobody out here coming out here hugging my neck and laying around on me like them Baptists used to when Mom made me go to church. I said, I'll pick up a chair. No, I couldn't pick up a chair. I was in such a shape. I said, I'll work on somebody. She said, Daddy, you ain't able to walk, much less pick up a chair. In a minute, this old car drove up. It was a Dodge Buick or something, one of them old big, long, square-top, long-hood cars. I don't know, the thing might have had wooden folks. I don't even know. Anyhow, it looked like an ambulance, and I thought that's what it was. These two birds got out there, and listen, they were bright-eyed, and, and listen, looked just like you people out there, smiling and talking to one another. They hopped out there, and just a chipper, and here they came. Both of them knew Bush. I thought, uh-oh, this ain't going to work, you know. I said, what in the devil is this? Shoe cook plan or what? Is she called out here on me? So uh, anyway, how they knew Bush, one of them was her insurance man, belonged to Alcoholics Anonymous. The other one worked out at Brooklyn Wholesale Company with her husband. So she knew both of them by name. Didn't know they belonged to AA at all. You know, AA were very anonymous at that time. When we first came in this thing, some of you know how anonymous it was. We couldn't even talk to ourselves about it. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> God, I'm over. Uh, well, uh, from that, why, they came in and, and they asked me if I had a problem. Butch gave me coffee, gave me a half a cup of coffee because she knew I'd have it all filled. I was shaking. The sweat 
it's perspiration with some people, but this was sweat that was coming off of me. That old stinking kind where you drink for so long and it just drips off, and the hotter you get, the stinkier you get, and the, all that good stuff, and that was just pouring off of me, and I was just, my hands were just as wet as they could be. And then birds shook hand with me and told them me who they were, and they said, have you got a problem? I said, what kind? Of, what do you mean? He said, a drinking problem. I said, oh, yeah. I said, I need a drink. And they said, we didn't, we didn't come out here for that. And I said, listen, if you want some help, said, we'll try to help you. But said, if you don't, we didn't come out here for no foolishness at all. I said, exactly what they told me. They said, we didn't come out here to take up a bunch of our time and your time. Said, uh, your daughter there said that you needed help and we're out here and, and if you do and want to accept it, well, we'll do all we can for you. And uh, I said, well, how long have you fellas been loose in this stuff if you're loose? I looked at them, and they didn't look like me. And uh, one of them said he'd been sober so long. The other one said he'd been sober so long. And they said, we can tell you how to get sober and how to stay sober. I said, well, that'd be a fine thing. I ain't never found it. Nobody else that could. They said, well, I can tell you something. I said, listen, uh, would you go to an AA meeting? I said, what's an AA meeting? And I thought it was Automobile Association. And uh, they said, there's an AA meeting in Athens, Tennessee tonight. I said, I'm from Athens, Tennessee. If I'm from anywhere. And they said, we knew it. See, another sharp bunch. And I thought, well, how in the hell do you know so much? So uh, they said, would you go to a meeting tonight? Listen, people, I was the biggest liar that ever was at that time. I'd climb a tree and tell you a lie before I'd stand on the ground and tell the truth. I mean, I would. I just, you know why I did. Because I was into so much junk. I didn't want to get nobody else messed up if I could hit it. That was their practice, you know. I don't tell on you. You don't tell on me. We just don't talk. So anyway. Uh, I said, uh, I might go to it. What are they going to do to me? They said, they won't do anything. I said, well, what they need me going? They said, well, they'll tell you what when you get there. And I said, well, uh, I promised them men I'd go to that meeting that night. I get in this, I first take me a bath, had to put these dirty clothes back on. You know how that is. That's like, uh, you know, just well enough tough one. But uh, I got my skin cleaned up some, but I put them dirty, stinking breeches. That's all I had. Didn't have no other. And uh, so I said, I'm going to go up there. If them fellas shoot me, they'll be doing me a favor. So I might just get shot there tonight. You can't never tell. And he says, they ain't going to do nothing for me. So what they need me going? I'll just go. So I get in this big Volkswagen, and uh, up the road I go. You know, a quart of gas run them things around the world. And I could go to bootlegging back, and that's all I wanted with it anyhow. So here I go to Athens, back home. When I got up there, they told me that this was at 123 1⁄2 North Jackson Street. I still go to AA at 123 1⁄2 North Jackson Street. I'm the coffee foreman there now, and I ice trade man. I can do better at that than anything I've ever done in this. So uh, I went up there and drove up. There's a high curve up there, a little higher than this thing. And... Uh, there's a guy come out there. See, them people in Cleveland had called them AA people in Athens and told them there's a bird coming up there tonight. If he didn't lie about it, if he's ready for this thing. Said, there ain't no two ways about it. Said, that's the sickest SOB I ever saw. Said, he, he's just shaking his clothes off. They told the truth. So when I got there, guess what? One of them fruit jar specialists met me right there. 
That's a, a old run, runt runyon, runt's dead now. Me and him drunk out of one of them old ball fruit jars many the time. That's why I put that ring on my nose. You turn them up and they cut your nose. You know? So, uh, old, uh, runt come out that door. He done been up there. And at that time, five or six in the group was a big group. I didn't know it, but it was. And they had five or six in Cleveland, five or six up there. And then you had to go to Knoxville or Chattanooga or over North Carolina or over the other way. The AA was scared. We was anonymous. And, uh, shucks, uh, I went and drove up there and, and then people told old Run about it and Run had been sober a while. Here he'd come out there and Run had to take both hands, shake mine. Once I got out of that little nasty Volkswagen, here he'd come with that hand stretched out. First thing, I reached out and I took Run's hand. He had to greet mine two or three times. He's just slipping out of his hand fast. Directly just grabbed me with both hands like a fighting hog, you know. And he helped to me. And I said, Run, why didn't you tell me this help from me? He said, I didn't know you wanted I said, Run, how long you been sober? He said, about nine months. I said, God, how in the world have you done? I, I said, them people in Cleveland told me that you could do this. But I said, uh, how have you done it? He said, not right. Go to meeting. Uh, he said, these people up here want to see you. Never dreaded anything I don't think is bad in my life as I did going up them stairs. You people that went to your first meeting, didn't we dread that? My God. I thought, what in this world are these words going to do to me? Now, I, I dread this thing. And I go in this door and them old long stairs like they have. Up through there I went. When I got up top, guess what? They grabbed me and hugged my old stinking neck and said, Oh boy, you're at the right place. Have some coffee over here. I said, uh, I ain't much for coffee. And I got me a little bit of coffee and set up there. After a while, they read this stuff that you people read today. And a fella got up there. They introduced him. And it was Red Wallace. Uh, Dr. Wallace's brother back there. And he got up here and he talked, not like I have tonight, told these funny things. He was serious. I loved Red. He helped me an awful lot. Red talked that night. Couldn't tell you a thing in the world the man said. They gave me the serenity prayer card. They said, that's all you need for now. Did you read that? Well, uh, at that time, I went back to work. I had been during these changing jobs. I went and uh, that's the last drink I ever had. That night when I went up them stairs, I hadn't drank any that day. That was the 19th of November in 66. Is the last drink I've ever had. And when I went up them stairs, that was it. So I'll be celebrating 26 years, the 19th of this month, and which will be just a few days. Uh, Thank you so much. You people are the ones that's done it. With the help of you people and the grace of Almighty God. I, I've learned a lot of things since I've come to this thing too. You know, a lot of this stuff was funny that we went through this path of how I got here and what happened to me and all that. And you know, uh, that's my last drink. Little old bald-headed guy there said he'd take me on as a project. <laughs> that's called a sponsor today. And he said, if you won't drink and go to these meetings, we can stay sober. I said, okay. So we started going to the meetings, and after a while, I, he helped me get a job. 
back with McMinn County Road Department. I had about tore up all the machinery that the road department had before they got rid of it. I was bad to take gravel and dump them on blacktop roads. You know, it's hard to drive in them rock and them knee deep on the blacktop road. And they'd send me with stuff in the truck, and I'd just take it and pour it out wherever and go on to the bootleg at the time. So when I went back to ask them about a job, they said, uh, uh, I don't know about you. I said, no, I don't drink no more. I said, I'm going to a program, and, and I don't drink no more. Oh, well, I said, fine. I said, you're good workers we've got. But I didn't know. I said, you know, when we let you go, you about had all the county equipment go up. So, uh, they hired me back, and I went on and retired from uh, the road department when my time was out. And I took early retirement, retired at 62. Uh, anyway, I started going to meetings. I made ashtray foreman in no time, and I can make the best coffee you ever drink. I mean, uh, and I'm still got that job, and I still go to one, two, three and a half North Jackson Street. Uh, most of the people that were there, I reckon, I'm the oldest one there is left now. The rest of them have done gone on to the big meeting or whatever. And I started going to meeting, and AC started telling me which meetings to go. And they'd have air meetings at that time, and I'd go to air meetings up at uh, uh, Maryville. I'd go to them over at Carstle. I'd go to them wherever they were, and I kept going and uh, kept growing in this thing. And after a while, uh, somebody made a mistake, and uh, I think A.C. was in on it, and he said, you and Runt are going to be chairing a meeting up here tonight. And I said, what's that? He said, well, you get up there and tell uh part of your story up there behind that podium. And I'd been in the program for so long, you know, and uh, so I slipped around and told one and I said, you talk 45 minutes, huh? And, uh, but they made the mistake and let me get up here and I ain't never hushed sense. I ain't never had enough sense. And I didn't know I could do this. Why, hell, boy, uh, nothing to it, is it? Just, uh, but I didn't know it, so I learned it all from you people. Well, listen, uh, next thing you know, uh, Ruth started coming down there. A.C. started courting Ruth. And one night, uh, we was in a meeting. I forgot about that. See, they told me in the beginning I had to put A.A. ahead of everything. Why? They said, listen, if you come here to get your wife back, get your dad saved, some of you older people know how aggravating them old people were. Just talk to you like a dog. And they told me right off, they said, listen, if you're coming here for any of that, you're the wrong place. They sure did. I thought, God, they can be the sweetest aggravation people I ever saw. But I kept going back, kept going to meetings, here, there, and young. So uh, I made this ashtray foreman, and, and I'm doing all right. And next thing you know, when I got up here, I didn't stop there. Whenever I made a talk up here, uh, then AC had me going here, there, and yonder. And, uh, you know, uh, this program's been good to us, real good. Next thing you know, Ruth was back down there. I thought she went to drinking, damn her, glad she did. She needed help anyhow. So, uh, she come down there, and me and A.C. both conned her into marrying me back again. Anybody marry a bird like me twice, they is something wrong with her. You people need to talk to her bad. So, uh, she, yeah, she needs talking to bad. So, Anyway, now then you want me to say me and Ruth live happy ever after. Well, uh, no, we still have discussions. You just can't hear us at first. We're quieter about it. <laughs> now, 
No, we've got a reasonably happy life. We really have. This, this program's been too good to me. I, I, I wish I had two more hours to tell you how good it had been. Uh, anyhow, I was going to make up for all this time I'd lost. I bought Cadillac cars along as soon as I had. And Ruth and me, I had me a pigeon. I was going to sober him up. And every time he'd get drunk, I'd want to kill him. And I had a lot of trouble with that. I won't whoop him. And I talked to him like a dog. And, and so I was getting better all the time. It come around time for a convention. And I went to AC. I said, they're talking about this convention in this thing. What's the convention? He said, one of these big meetings where the people go from all over the world. Have some of the best speakers you ever heard and so on. Said, uh, I don't take a care for them. It's too big a crowd. You can't get around. Nothing else. I said, you reckon I ought to go? And he said, well, it won't hurt nothing if you want to go. Said, and then you can make up your mind. And I said, I keep it here and seeing this advertisement. People are talking about it. See, it was a convention in Miami, Florida. I said, I'm going to take this old big long pigeon of mine, and me and Ruth and him is going to go to Miami. And I said, this big long Cadillac, we left the little Cadillac to Miami to turn it around. Anyhow, I had the longest in the head. I didn't care nothing about nothing on I wanted the long white Cadillac. Evelyn's Presley kind, you know. So, uh, I went down there and conned them into it. And they, they let me have one. Me and Mama and my pigeon and, and his wife and two girls lit out to Miami. One of the finest things ever happened to me. One of the greatest things that ever happened. I got down there and I got to see one of the co-founders, Bill Wilson. And listen, that's one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. You know, when he stood, he was sick at that time and he was in Miami. And uh, they didn't think he'd be able to come to the convention. Before it was over, while they stood him up up here and he had all this stuff lined up, all this junk, uh, free breathing and so on. And he had on this pretty white jacket. A red jacket, and it just glistened, and that pretty white hair, and they stood him up here, and he talked for about 15 minutes, no more than that. I've got that tape at my house. Money won't buy it. Uh-uh. They several of them out, but listen, I wouldn't take anything on earth for it. I never saw as many tears shed in my life as they was when that man stood up. Seemed like they clapped hands for an hour there. I, one of the greatest experiences that I ever had. The best cry I ever had was right there. We all cried together. And it was the last time, the last talk he ever made. He went back home, I think, but he went back to down there and died. And you know, this thing's been good to me, real good. Ruth and I got to go up to Founders Day up at, uh, in Akron, you know. If you haven't been up there, go. Listen, it's worth your time and your money. Listen. This right here is worth as much as anything can pay me. If I have helped one soul here, this has helped me. I hope and pray that I have done something that will help someone. This is what I've told you here. A lot of it's been funny. A lot of it is as comical as a devil. A lot of it's serious. But that's what this thing's all about from beginning to end. Uh, if I haven't done one thing, it has helped me. This little old bald-headed fellow told me if I want to keep this thing, I'd have to give it away. That's what I'm doing down here tonight. I want to read you a bird, uh, thing here. I've got in my pockets as old as the hills, but it's good to me. And then I'll sit down. Uh, I've been here long enough. Uh, it helps me. And I know a lot of you people have done hurt it. It's the man in the glass. When you get 
what you want in this struggle for self, and the world makes you king for a day. Just go to the mirror and look at yourself and see what that man has to say. For isn't your father or mother or wife whose judgment you must pass? The fellow whose verdict counts most in your life is the one looking back in the glass. Some people may call you a straight shooting chum and think you're a wonderful guy, but the man in the glass says you're only a bum if you can't look him straight in the eye. He's a fellow to please, never mind all the rest, for he's with you clear up to the end. And you passed your most difficult, dangerous task with the man in the glass of your friend. You may fool a whole world down the pathway of years and get pats on your back as you pass, but your final reward will be heartaches and tears if you've cheated the man in the glass. Thanks. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.